Good morning. My name is Michael, and we're, uh, I'm one of the pastors here. We're very excited to have you with us here on this Sunday morning, the third Sunday in our season of Advent and the Advent conspiracy that we have entered into. I'm glad that uh, even though we have tables set up and it's a little different and you might have been confused and worried as you walked into the CLC this morning thinking, oh, no, what are they going to do today, that you continued uh, to come forward and had the courage enough to... Uh, to not go stand in the line at uh, the sanctuary and go sit there. See, that's the beauty of coming to the CLC. Over there, it was standing room. It's like a line to get in. It's open seating here. You just come on in. You know, we have room for you. Uh, so anybody in over? Just kidding. Um, so we, we are in the, the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, we've been doing this thing called Advent Conspiracy. And basically, to catch you up, if you have not been here for the past two Sundays, we have asked you to re-enter the story of Advent to remember what this season is truly about, not what the world has changed it into, not what we have changed it into, not what we have allowed the religion of consumerism to make it, but remember what truly the Advent season, the waiting for the coming of the King, is all about. Uh, If you remember, we've shown a video uh, the past three Sundays, and basically what it says is this. um, on, On any given year of the past three years, this year will probably be different, Americans spend $450 billion with a B, as in boing, uh, billion dollars on Christmas every year. It would take $10 billion, $10 billion to solve clean water for the world. Yeah, that's heavy. $10 billion is what it would take to give everyone in the world clean, safe water. And Americans generally over the past few years have spent $450 billion on Christmas. Imagine if we redirected that instead of buying soap on a rope. Or sweaters that people won't wear because we live in South Texas. Imagine if we redirected that and sent some of it to solve that crisis. Imagine what could happen, the reverberations that would travel throughout the world in the name of Christ because of the coming of the King. So the last two Sundays we've asked you to re-enter the story and to begin to worship Christ fully as Mary did, as Joseph did, as the shepherds and the wise men did to remember what was happening, what was occurring during this time, the coming of the king, the liberating king who had set us free from death and our sins and despair. And then last week we asked that you would um, spend less, a message that was not well received by children, but heartily taken to by their parents. Spend less, be more intentional about how you give, what you give, what you buy. Don't fall into the trap that if you love someone, you will buy them something. The amount you love them will be determined on how much you spend on them and how many presents they get, because that's a fallacy that's created by this consumeristic religion that we've allowed to run our lives. In fact, because of that, because we tend to say, well, I love this person this much, I'll give them this many presents, and we go out and we buy those last-minute things, and we realize that uh, somebody gave us a gift, and we didn't give them one, so we got to run out and get a gift for them so that we don't look like the jerk of the season, and we go get them one, and, and it's something that they don't need, nor do they want, and it will probably end up in their attic or, if you really have a problem, in a storage facility. I mean, let's face it, there is a huge industry out there, and it's based upon the fact that we have too much stuff. 
we have too much stuff. So there's storage facilities everywhere to take the stuff that we don't use, that we will probably never see again, that our kids will have to one day go, oh, dad had that storage facility. Now we got to go clean it out and have to go see all the stuff that once was a gift or once we purchased because it was an emotional fix for us or whatever it was. And we eventually stick it somewhere that we'll never see it again. The Advent season is about a gift, but what is that gift? Well, it was the gift of a Savior. It was the gift of a child, Jesus. I mean, the Christmas celebration that we should all be celebrating is the gift that God gave us, the gift of himself. In John chapter 1, um, Right at the beginning, verse 1, this is how John opens his gospel. In the beginning, the Word already existed. He was with God, and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him, and and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was only a witness to the light. The one who is the true light gives light to everyone was going to come into the world. But although the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. It's not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. So the word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son of the father. What John wants you to know as he begins his recounting of his friend Jesus, of the life of Christ, as he opens his gospel, he wants you to know two things. One, that Jesus Christ is God. Plain and simple. He makes it quite clear that Jesus and God are the same. And then the second thing is that Jesus came to earth, that God came to earth in the form of Jesus, a man, so that we might have a relationship with him. So the gift of Advent is a gift of God becoming present with us. That's what this is about. So if you if you go back to what the first gift was, it wasn't the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. No, it was Christ. The baby child that was born in filth and poverty. That was the gift. I mean, that's kind of the reason why we give gifts. is because Christmas is about gift giving and, and, and how wonderful and emotional it is. But truly, it's about that one gift the gift of God giving himself to us. So let's look at that gift and let's break it down a little bit. The first thing that we can look at in the gift of Christ making himself tangible to us is that God gave us his presence. God gave us his physical presence. In Matthew and in Isaiah, it talks about the coming of the liberating king who will be named Emmanuel, God with us. 
Not God separated by some vast expanse of space. Not God that is this intangible thing that we have no really connection to. But God with us. God here present among us. God that we may have a face associated with, a voice with, a fleshly person that we can have a relationship with. Emmanuel, God with us. In Colossians 1:15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So what does this say to us? One, it says that relationships are important to God. That God wanted to come down and be in relationship with us. His gift was a gift of relationship. There's a gift of presence with him. So why don't we do that with one another? We live in a world who has seen social uh, communities just spring forward online. MySpace and Facebook and Twitter and all of the different things that are out there that create a community. It's like a pseudo-community, really. While you may have connections with people whom you lost track with, I, I, I wonder just how many of you are on one of those things, Facebook or MySpace or any of the other ones, LinkedIn or whatever those deals are. Yeah, quite a few of you. And, you know, when I, I, I'm on Facebook, and uh, that is to say that I created an account. I haven't been on it in over a month. But when I first got on it and I said my network was San Antonio, I went to Irvington High School in Fremont, California. Um, I went to Southwest Texas State and uh, the school formerly known as Southwest Texas State and, uh, and TCU, and, and I put that in. I started getting all of these people hitting me up from California that went to high school with me whom I have not spoken to since 1992 when I graduated. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, wow, he's, in, uh, he's living here now and he's married. Okay. That was it. I'm not going to have a community with them. I'm not going to have a real relationship with those people anymore because I'm not physically in their presence on a continual basis. It's fun to catch up, and it's fun to say, oh, wow, look what Bob's doing. Bob's working for Apple Computer now, and, you know, hey, Bob, can you get me a deal? (laughs) But really, Bob and I aren't going to be best friends. My friendships and my true relationships and the things that will give me a sense of God in my life are the people that I am face-to-face with. The people that I have a physical relationship, that I can reach out and know that they are physically there. Sure, I know that he exists somewhere in California. But truly, God set up this this world in which we needed to be with one another. That community was important. That FaceTime is a big deal. And so he gave himself to us in a physical form. And maybe that is what we should begin to think about this Advent season is is gifts that give presence. Gifts that give time together. They give an example in their book, the three pastors do, of um, a father giving a son a one-pound co- uh, bag of coffee beans with a note attached to it. You can only drink this coffee with me. And what he wanted was time with his dad. Time with his dad to share stories, to sit and listen to his dad tell him about his childhood and how he got met his mom and all of those different things, all of those stories that people kind of take for granted because you're always together, but you're not really together. He wanted time, just presence with his father. 
So he said, here's your gift. Let's spend time together. What a cool idea that is. You know, when I read that, I really kind of felt bad because that is something I have longed to do with my own dad. I've longed to, and I've I've mentioned it to Jenna, and she's given me the green light, and I try to get my brother into it, and and that's usually where it stalls. Um, I'm not blaming my brother uh, because I can do it without him. I don't need him. But I've always said, you know what? I've called my brother and said, Scott, let's take dad golfing for a weekend. The three of us, let's go and let's golf with dad and let's just talk to him. I mean, what? How many more years does he have left? How much time have we really sat and just listened to him and gotten to know, truly gotten to know our dad? And that's one of the things that it's one of the biggest regrets in my life that I have the ability to change. Maybe this Christmas season, instead of giving my dad something, maybe I say, you know what? You're going to have to spend time with me if you want your gift. Maybe I need to take the time away from my own family, from Jenna and the kids, to go spend time with my dad. A guy who had a tremendous influence on who I am as a man. Maybe I need to sit down and really communicate and really actually just listen. What, what the gift of Christ shows us is that we need to be present with people. We need to be in relationship with one another. He gave us his presence. The second thing his gift tells us is um, it was very personal. His gift was very personal. In Luke's recounting of the, of the Christmas story, he says that, Behold, a Savior is born for you. Not a Savior is born out there. It's you. He brings it back and says, bam, this is a personal thing. This is intensely personal for Jesus. Jesus was all about relationships. If you look through his ministry and the life, he was always in community with people. He had his three that were very close to him. And then he had the 12. But everywhere he went, he was in community. He was in conversation. He sat and he listened to people. He sat and he noticed things about people. And he took care to be in relation with everyone. He was never in a hurry. He was never in a hurry to brush somebody off and to move along. He took time to build relationships. It was personal for him. And if we are believers in Jesus Christ and following in his footsteps, and and he is to be our light that shows us the path, then we too must be personal in our relationships. And I mean, how many times have we given a gift to somebody that, that says, well, you know, I haven't really thought about you in a long time, but I feel obligated to give you something because you're my coworker or you're a distant relative or you're somebody that I knew from the past and all of a sudden you have given me a Christmas card or a present and so I have to give you something as well. And it means nothing to that person. How many times have we done that kind of purchase and given that kind of gift? How many times have we received that kind of gift and you open it and you're like, huh, wow, they don't know me at all. Really, a turtleneck? How many times have you opened that present and thought that about the giver? And how many times have you sent a present to someone and they thought that about you? Do they even really know me? Why did they even bother? Jesus' gift to us was extremely 
personal. A father um, gave his daughter, they tell a story in the book about this, for Christmas. His daughter's a senior in high school and the first one in, his, in their family to go off to college, the first one of the kids to go off to college. And, and he, he gave her, he wrapped up two journals, blank journals. And when she opened them, he told her, this is what these are for. You're about to go off to college. And during the next semester, your last semester of high school in the summer, and then the first semester that you're away, I, I want each of us to take one of these journals and to write our thoughts, to write our worries, our concerns, our prayers, our thoughts about me letting you go, your thoughts about me being overprotective and overparenting, all these different things. And then next Christmas, let's give them back to one another. That's personal. That's really connecting with his daughter, really getting to know one another. That is a gift that screams, I care about you. I care about you enough to take time during this next year to really thoughtfully spend time with you. That's not a castaway gift card. That's a thoughtful, personal gift. So Christ's gift to us uh, gave us his presence, and it was very personal. And the third thing is this. His gift was costly. I I mean, uh, think about it. He became human in the most humble of ways. He was a servant. He spent his life serving others. His gift cost him his life. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go that far in our gifts to one another, or this room would be empty. But if you truly are going to give a gift of presence, a relational gift, a gift that is personal, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy, thinking, power to truly reflect on the relationship that you have with someone. It maybe even costs you a little bit of risk. Giving a gift that, that is not worldly giving a gift that's different and out of the box and maybe taps into who the person is, then you open yourself up for rejection. That they would look at it and go, wow, this is great. Where's the gift card? I mean, if you're a parent trying to teach your children that there's more to it than just this pile of material goods under the tree, there may be a little bit of backfire there for a while. It may cost you something. One of the things that um, I've thought about doing, and I I clipped something out about it in the paper, was this place called Santa's Ranch. Anybody ever heard of Santa's Ranch recently? Anybody been there this year? Nobody? All right. Um, Santa's Ranch is just south of San Marcos. Somebody has taken their, their land and put up thousands and thousands of lights. And it's one of those places where you can go and just drive through and, and look at the lights and you know, I clipped it out uh, when I saw it because I knew that, um, you know, Corb would love it. He loves lights. He's, I mean, he's big into ooh, uh, doing that at lights. And, and, and Gracie would love it. She would love seeing all the lights and, and stuff like that. And, and we thought about it on Saturday. Um, yes, last night, uh, Jenna brought it up. And I was like, oh, it's Saturday. That's a long drive up there. Whose phone is that? Who's calling me during 11:30 service? Hello. Yeah, I'm preaching actually right now. Yeah, this is being recorded. You want me to put you on speaker? 
why would, no, you called me. Good talk. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was Cindy Boynton. If y'all see her, let her know that I didn't have my phone on vibrate. So that's on me. But why would you call me at 1130? Because I didn't call Jenna. Clearly not. Um, so <clears throat> Santa's Ranch, that's where I was. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking Saturday night driving up there, it's going to be crowded. What if we get into the line at Santa's Ranch and there's tons of people there? And then we're stuck in the line. Because once you're in the line, I have a feeling you can't get out of the line. Like you can't, like if we take my truck, maybe I just start driving over some lights because it's getting bad or something. But, you know, once you're in, you're in. And what if Gracie starts freaking out and gets tired and gets upset or Corb starts going nuts and setting her off and we start have screaming and crying in the car and all this stuff. And I'm like, no. So I told her no on Saturday. And I was thinking about it this morning earlier and I was like, you know what? Maybe that's just the chance we take. But it could be an incredible time where they both get to see something that they love. And, and Grace could be lit up by seeing all the lights. And Corbin could see all the lights. And, and we could talk about Jesus. And we could have this time in the car because you're forced to be together at that time. And we can talk about what we're celebrating this season. And we can tell the story of Christmas and the coming of the King and Advent. And maybe we have a time where we get to sing carols together because we don't do that at home. We sing Wonder Pets or whatever. Maybe we can sing these great songs and and maybe we have a moment together as a family that remembers what this season is about. It may stink, but on the other hand, I think the benefit far outweighs the cost. There's a lot of times like that where we have these instances during this season where we're like, well, let's do this, but oh, wait. Sometimes as Christ gives was costly for us, we have to have that costly gift as well. And, and maybe we'll open up a time of conversation and real relationship with your family or a coworker or a friend or whomever. Maybe that is the moment when a door is opened into a deeper relationship, that which God calls us to in the first place. And you know, the gifts that you take time to really think about those gifts, those, those presents that you really tap into who somebody is. You really think about the relationship you have with someone and you give them a gift that reflects that. Those are the gifts that don't end up in the storage facilities. Those are the gifts that you hang on to. You know, we've had this conversation around my house for the past couple of weeks of buying presents and who we're buying presents for and how much we want to spend. And Jenna and I have been having our standoff with one another as, you know, how much we're going to spend and to whom we will give gifts. And, and I keep saying, do you not listen to me on Sunday mornings? And she keeps saying, yes, but I don't agree with you. And, and I mean, the, the other day we got into it about uh, Corbin. We've purchased this amount for Corbin and we've only purchased this amount for Gracie. And we need to go get some more for Gracie because it's not even. And I'm like, are you kidding? They're four and two. They don't get it. They're not going to know. Corbin's not going to go, look at this. You see this? a little couple of extra things right here. Sure, my demented family did that when we were older, but not when we were that young. And we're setting ourselves up to believe that this is what we have to do. And truly, we should be doing stuff that's more meaningful and precious for our children. Corbin's not in the room, so I can say this openly. He's getting a fishing pole for Christmas. 
And maybe instead of just giving him a fishing pole, I attach to that fishing pole instructions that you must. Cindy, call me back quickly. That you must go fishing with me at least twice a year for the rest of your life. Maybe we begin to attach those type things where we build meaningful relationships with one another, where we spend time with our family and our loved ones and our friends, and the Advent season becomes something greater than it is today. Maybe we return to the story of Christ, and we live in the gift that he gave us. Man, what a beautiful Christmas that will be. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, you are the most wonderful gift giver ever. You gave us life. You gave us your Son. You gave yourself so that we might benefit. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts this Advent season, that as we, as we go about the busyness of the season, that we would remember why we are busy and that we would slow down. And that we would refocus on you, that we would re-enter the story of Advent and allow ourselves to celebrate relationally with one another. That this Advent season would be the most glorious that we have ever experienced and it would build from here in our lives, in the lives of our children and our parents and our friends and our family. That we would retake this time of year in the name of Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.